Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of Voldemort to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the sunk cost fallacy, also known as the Concord fallacy and irrational escalation. So the sunk cost fallacy is where people try to justify... Um, maintaining a course of action or escalating a course of action that they're on Mm -hmm. uh, based on the effort or the time or the money that they've already put into it. Right. Is that why it's also known as the Concord fallacy? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And this is especially a fallacy. uh, It's really only a fallacy when the benefit that you're likely to end up getting out of it isn't worth the additional cost you're putting into it, the additional kind right. of effort that, that you're putting in. Yep. So if you've got to a point where, um, you know, you can just put a little bit more effort in or a little bit more time or money in and you're going to end up getting something out yep. of it, something yep. worthwhile out of it, then it's not it's not fallacious to keep going. Yeah. But if, you, if you're just keeping stubbornly on going at, <laughs> essentially at a loss right. because you don't want to admit that you've you've already sunk too much into it, at this right. point, and it yeah. and it's ending up being worthless. Then yeah. uh, that's that's when it becomes a fallacy. And right. yeah, the Concord yeah. example basically it's why it's called the Concord fallacy. Is one of the the kind of early examples was when the Brits and the French agreed to to come up with a supersonic plane yeah. and sunk masses of amounts of money and time and effort into it. Yeah. And fairly early on, it looked reasonably clear that they were never going to make their money back. That it yeah. just wasn't going to be financially viable, yeah. but but at some point they were like, "Well, we've come this far. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well Let, just keep. Let's going. just yeah, let's yeah, yeah. keep going. Let's not stop yeah. now." And they did it, and it flew for what thirty years, and yeah. and it never made any money. <laughs> no, it got Phil Collins across the Atlantic so he could play at both Live Aid concerts yeah. in. Uh, and that's about it. That's all I can remember from Concord. <laughs> that it takes, yeah, it takes you two hours to fly somewhere. And you think, actually, it's a really very good idea to not have to spend hours and hours and hours in the air. Just fly faster. And yet, yeah, it feels like the kind of idea that should make yeah. money and should be viable. Yeah. But it was just a, such an engineering nightmare that yeah. they had to go through to actually get it working. And there are kind of it didn't the Soviets or or uh, what post Soviet Russia try it as well? I seem to recall seeing somewhere on an Urbex Explorer site an abandoned version of a Soviet Concorde, really, where they actually just kind of went, do you know what? It's not going to work. Let's just leave it. <laughs> I left it. You know, they're not ones for sunk costs. Is the Soviets? They just go, nah, fuck it, leave it. Leave yeah. it. Yeah, I remember there was a, an after dinner speaker in the seventies called David Gunson, who who was also an air traffic yeah. controller. Yeah. Um and he 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 used to say, "You never you'll never have a military Concorde because uh, as soon as it opens fire, it'll just shoot itself down because it's going faster than the bullets themselves." <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. That's perfect, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's the part of the problem with the faster than light thing. You know. <laughs> 
if you put the brake lights on, nobody will uh -huh. see them. Yeah. 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 So our first Trump example comes from a time back in August of 2017 when he had kind of gone back on his original plan and his ultimate plan, both of yeah. them, to pull out of Afghanistan. Right. And at that point, he decided that uh, not only was he not going to pull out, he was going to actually send 4,000 more troops into Afghanistan. There were, at the time, around 8,000. So he was he was kind of adding 50% more American troops to Afghanistan, and, and he justified it by saying this. I studied Afghanistan in great detail and from every conceivable angle. After many meetings over many months, we held our final meeting last Friday at Camp David with my cabinet and generals to complete our strategy. I arrived at three fundamental conclusions about America's core interests in Afghanistan. First, our nation must seek an honorable and enduring outcome worthy of the tremendous sacrifices that have been made, especially the sacrifices of lives. So he's saying, <laughs> and this was actually a, yeah. a, one of the times when he read a speech without going exactly too much going off script. Off, off script, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So which is why he's so low energy and and, and sounds very bored. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the idea that he studied Afghanistan at all uh, is from just insane. all every yeah. conceivable angle. You know, yeah, and, and there's, this was, there's yeah. to be a lasting and the conclusion honorable... that he'd come to. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. But essentially, yeah, the argument was there needs to be a kind of a, an honourable exit, an honourable uh, solution to Afghanistan because of the sacrifices that have been made up to this point, yeah. um, including people sacrificing their lives, which is not a reason to risk more lives. No. <laughs> Especially if, the opposite, as, really, yeah. as everyone was saying at the time, everyone was saying, like he was saying from pre-2016, you know, this is a bad thing to be over there in the first place. Yeah. We we should we should do what we can to get out. As we've seen in the past few months, there didn't seem to be a good end goal where no. there was something that, that could be done to make it kind of a, a win for everyone. And I think Trump was taking Biden to task on that score as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite the fact that he personally had come to that conclusion after studying Afghanistan yeah. in great detail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so saying, because so, cause we've had so many people over there over for so long and we've and some of them have died, we need to send more people there now. Yeah, <laughs> just keep, keep on keeping on. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. So our uh, second example is from this tweet that he sent on September the 1st, 2019, about Hurricane Dorian. In addition to Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia and Alabama will most likely be hit much harder than anticipated, looking like one of the largest hurricanes ever, already Category 5. Be careful. God bless everyone. Um, and this was the precursor to Sharpie Gate. Ah, yes. Because yes. this was the tweet where he claimed that Alabama was among the states that were in the path of Hurricane Dorian. Yeah. And, um, like, within an hour, the uh, the weather service in, in Birmingham, Alabama said, nope, nope, don't don't, don't worry, don't it's worry. not don't worry, Alabama. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
this yeah. is not something that has been projected. It's not something we need to worry about. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and and for the next several days, he was arguing with the scientists about yeah. whether um, the hurricane was going to hit Alabama. And essentially, he got into a situation. And I mean, this is true whenever he. I was going to say whenever he lies. So basically, whenever he when says he it, opens his mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah. He can't back down. He cannot yeah. accept that sometimes it's actually better and you look better to say, yeah, I made a mistake. Wrong. Yeah. That was, yeah, I shouldn't have said Alabama. That was not on the list I was given than yeah. to spend the next few days arguing with the the National Oceanographic Institute and everyone who, who studied and, this stuff in great detail, yeah, yeah, and then drawing yeah. an extra bit on the on the map with a sharpie, which is clearly done by hand, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and then showing it to people, and, and going, the, yeah, there you are, you see, yeah, committing a crime uh, yeah. of of um, changing a federal weather map, um, and yeah, and pretending that that was actually what you'd been given and said, yep. look, yep, see, Alabama was always there. there all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you'll notice that I've moved Alabama. <laughs> yeah. So because of his enormously fragile ego, he gets into this situation of, uh, of going, having gone too far. He's already taken yep. a lie far enough that he has to keep going and doubling down yep. rather than at any point backing down and saying, kind of, yeah, exactly. Yep, but, no, I yeah. was wrong. Yeah, he well, it's, it. a, it's the same with Covifi and whatever the uh, hamburgers. Yeah, yeah. It was all, you know, it was a code word. You know, they, and everybody joined in, just kind uh-huh. of kept going with the gambler's mentality. Didn't they go, mm. if we keep at it, if we keep at it, it will be fine. It will be fine. It will eventually, people will believe us. Yeah. Just and ultimately, that. this fallacy is, uh, is, I think, the only explanation for some career Republicans still supporting him still yeah. backing him and cuz cuz they've put so much of their um kind of political capital yeah uh, on the onto, line. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, on onto his his wagon yeah. and said yeah we're with trump yeah. but there's a point at which you can't then say yeah i, I that was that was a weird two years wasn't it shouldn't yeah, have done that, that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's over yeah yeah no, they're just kind of getting because, and and in a way, it's kind of the, you know, the the at the root of the QAnon conspiracy theory is that actually, even when your heroes let you down, so even when Trump Trump doesn't turn out to be the God King Savior and doing all that they thought, they would just keep going with the conspiracy and say, oh yeah, well it's he's just an also ran. He's not yeah. the Messiah. He's <laughs> just a very naughty boy. And, and but the but the actual thing is still going. So we'll keep betting on that horse. Yeah, and that's know. the thing. I've talked about uh, time and effort and money. Mm. But the other thing is is just intellectual capital. Yep. So when you've committed yourself to an idea, it has the same impact. You yep. you commit yourself and you and you keep. And there is a uh, I forget the exact name of the psychological phenomenon that that this involves but when you tell people um about something you believe in and keep saying it and keep justifying Mm. it to people um it gets harder and harder and harder for you to then change your mind about it if you come across new evidence that um doesn't back up what you believe i think it's boris 
<laughs> could be, yeah, yeah. Currently, was, was <laughs> there's a there's a I, there's a great uh, video of, uh, with Julia Gallif on on uh, YouTube talking about this exact phenomenon. But then there's there's plenty of great Julia Gallif videos, so I can't really <laughs> narrow it down. But yeah. Um, but yeah, if if you if you commit yourself intellectually uh, to a, to an idea, the ideal thing you should do is to to keep trying to um, mm. disprove it to yourself if yeah, you can, yeah. Yeah. or keep keep looking out for anything that that should lead you to be less confident in that opinion. Mm. Because um, if you're if you're on the lookout for that kind of stuff, and and you take it seriously and you evaluate what you believe, then you can continually try to to think in a kind of Bayesian way of of being not a hundred percent sure of anything, but having a a good sense of what your kind of percentages are of how how convinced you are about things. Well, uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein, the the uh, linguistic philosopher, uh, yeah, that was part of it. He he actually said he lived long enough to disagree with himself, so he was <laughs> yeah. he was convinced of the theory that he had, and then forty fifty years later, actually realised that the, the it took up a completely contrary stance, <laughs> and uh, and then said, yeah, that's part of the. The, the curse of being an old philosopher is you live to outgrow your previous convictions and, and actually i guess that's the that's the ideal really isn't it yeah, you yeah. want to you want to be able to continually question what it is you thoroughly believe in and mm-hmm. your thorough belief in it should cause you some um, perturbation and you're thinking well okay so maybe i'm overlooking some stuff if we're continually building this supersonic aircraft there's somebody at the back going yeah, well, yeah. Mm, can I just hold up the checkbook? Look how much it's going to cost to fly on this thing, and nobody's mm. going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's kind of the emperor's new clothes, isn't it? It's that you know that's the whole thing that the entirety of wherever that was, um, the the all put hung their shirt on. Ha ha. <laughs> um, the fact that the emperor was completely wearing fabulous stuff and isn't it oh isn't it ah isn't it absolutely mm, except for one kid who didn't know who just went well he's a stark bollock naked which is why boris johnson appears stark bollock naked in um cold war steve's uh, <laughs> graphic kind of hogarthian prince that he puts out on facebook he's just like naked in all of them because uh-huh. he's patently the, you know, we can all see through his utter conviction that he <laughs> continues to be right. So, um, yeah. But yeah. more of that soon. And more of that right now. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. Well, we'll get on to the one that is the kind of the intellectual example. Well, intellectual is a bit of a strong word, but you know, the one where there's a, you know, a massive belief system propelling the thing forward sufficient to for people to continue to justify pouring more resources and money into it but until we get to there let's um let's have a look at another one where that happens so this is from uh july this year when home secretary pretty patel faced the commons home affairs committee hearing about the fact that the day before the government had just passed a bill which meant that the, it would be giving the french a further 54.2 million pounds to help stem the flow of migrants crossing the channel. Um, and in the 
Common Affairs Home Affairs Committee hearing, Conservative MP Tim Loughton pointed out that last year in 2020, the government had already sent France 31.4 million euros, 27.1 million pounds to tackle the same issue. And he says, since that time, you now have a record number of boats which have come across the channel and the number of interceptions by the French has actually fallen. And in fact, the number of migrants arriving in boats across the English Channel to Sunday, the 26th of September this year, just Sunday just gone, is now 17,085, whereas it was only 8,400 for the whole of 2020. And we've talked about this um, pretty Patel continually saying, yes, I'm going to fix it. And, you know, it's a terrible border problem and we've got to put all these resources in and they keep putting the resources in and they keep putting more resources in. Um, so, but apparently it's not France we have to worry about now because there's an increased number of migrants coming from Belgium. So Tim Loughton has this to say. Home Secretary, that's even more worrying. You're now saying people in Belgium think it's easier to get across the channel by coming into France, despite the fact we've given them 31.5 million euros last year, and you're now about to give them another £54 million. The French authorities are entitled, and within international maritime law, to intercept boats in the water and return the passengers to French territory, or to allow border force to return migrants to French territory if they're picked up in British territorial waters. Yesterday, we had a French military naval vessel escorting one of the boats into British territorial waters and then trying to hand over the occupants to a boat full of journalists. This is ridiculous and it makes a mockery of it. So just giving the French more money to carry on doing what they're doing badly is not going to solve the problem. So the thing that's ridiculous is not so much that the migrant problem is a migrant problem and that is inflated out of all proportion, which it is, which is ridiculous because it plays into Pretty Patel's strong arm tactics dance. But that the French under maritime law can do precisely what Pretty Patel is giving them money to do for nothing. And they could have always have done that, but they're not doing it. So uh, instead of pointing this out to them and going, you should just do that because that's what you're supposed to be doing because the people trafficking uh, migrants is a, is an illegal act, so you can arrest them on that basis. And the fact that they are endangering these people in the small boats in the busiest shipping lane in the world is also an illegal act. You can arrest them on that basis and just take them back to France. Just do that because that's the law. That's what you're supposed to do, let alone we give you £34 million €34 million Euros to not do that last year. We're now going to give you another £54 million pounds to not do it this year. That's throwing money after bad. And he actually says, in the, and I couldn't find a clip of it, but if you look in the, uh, the transcript of this uh, committee hearing, the previous point before he begins that one, he actually says, aren't you just throwing good money after bad? which is exactly the the fallacy that we're talking about, the sunk cost fallacy, because they're just going, well, it's not working. Uh, it costs us it, so let's just chuck some more money at it because it will keep working. Instead of saying, oh, no, it's not working at all. Let's not give them any money. Let's just appeal to international law and get them to bloody do it. Yeah, I, so I haven't done this for a while. 
Right. But I'm going I'm to ah. argue back uh, on this one because I yeah. don't think this is really the the throwing good money after bad is a is a common thing that comes up with sunk cost fallacy yep. because essentially that is what you're doing with something like concord because because you've already spent all of that money and you're just putting more and more money into it right in this instance i don't think it, that anyone is arguing that they should continue to pay france because they've already paid them so much you know they might as well right Essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. they they are theoretically paying France for a service that that yeah. they're not getting. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but there's no attempt to justify the continued payment based on the fact. Well, we've already we've paid already them paid them loads, right? So uh, we okay. should keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, in, that would be where it would be the sunk cost. Yeah, it's, yeah. So so in evoking the throwing good money after bad, yeah. Actually, he's commit he's committing he's using that falsely. I mean, he's so, kind of. He's kind of using it right because it's yeah, but he, and he, but he's he, yeah. They've spent what's they've spent money. They can get anything out of it. Yeah. Now they're spending more money, but but they're not because it's a yearly thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. part of it. If yeah. if they were, if yeah, if it was a thing they're going to get at the end of it, yeah. That and and they're paying France over a period of time, and and they say, well, we've already spent this amount of money, so we have to keep spending it until yeah. we get the thing. Yeah. That's different to we spent money and got a poor service last year. So we're going to spend. We'll, you know, but we still money. need the service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, yeah. they're saying yeah. we, yes, the service is shit, but we still yeah. we still need it, so we'll still pay them. So actually, but in a way, he's kind of well, no, he isn't. He's just saying it's a waste of money. He's just in a, yeah, in a waste he's of saying, money. Yeah, how he's saying you, another, in how a different way, you, this yeah. is a waste. We shouldn't yeah. keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that is a thing. That's that's like, for example, as another uh, another way that people do this all the time is anyone who is still advertising in the yellow pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they are, they are, they are putting throwing good money after bad. Yeah, I don't know who looks up companies in the yellow pages today. No. No. To, to find a plumber or or whoever you look on the internet, everyone looks yeah. on the internet. Yeah, so. It's idiotic to continually spend money to advertise in that kind of um, in that kind yeah. of media, um, but the fact that you spent it last year isn't the reason yeah, you're yeah. spending it this year. In, in a way, it's not. It it's not. Well, I'm so used to spending it, I might as well keep going. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, but, that but, might <laughs> be that might be the fallacy if they say, "Well, I've 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 done it for 25 years, yeah. so I might as well keep doing it." Yeah, that's yeah, that where that would it becomes be the fallacy. The fallacy. Yeah. It's where they yeah. it's where they try and justify their past experience or their past behaviour or the amount of time and effort they've put into it in the past to justify the continued expenditure or, yeah. or um, staying on that path. Cool. Which might bring us ni- nicely on to my second example, which is basically the entirety of Brexit <laughs> is my is my candidate for this fallacy, and. Uh, I borrowed this from somebody else made this comment. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, I should have written down his name. I can't remember. But he wrote down, which is full of fallacies, but it makes us laugh. It said, count the number of times you've seen a positive ramification of Brexit appear in the news since 2016 re- the referendum that hasn't immediately been shot down as total bollocks. Literally every piece of evidence points to it being a ridiculous, awful, suicidal decision for our country. And yet those who won continue on shoring up the leave decision. 
such yeah. things as <laughs> there was done, a there was yeah. a poll just recently yeah. that yeah. Uh, where they've said it was like sixty one percent of people I think are now uh, now yeah. think Brexit is going badly compared yeah. to like twenty percent of people who think it's going well. Yeah, and someone I'm, tweeted, "Yeah, I'm on the going badly side, but only based on all the evidence." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I still want to ask the 20%. Can you point to the things that are going well? Point to them. And and you can't. Yeah. Mm. And I think part of the, some of the fallacies are, are distilled down to, we've done it now. It's the will of the people, so we can't change our minds. Article 50 was is in. We can't back out now. And then my favourite one, we've opened the alt-right fuckwit can of worms. Can't stop now or they'll be angry. <laughs> and uh, and then I added some more recent tangible things that look like Brexit sunk costs, but they might not be, and particularly if they're spun right by the right-wing press, also known as the publicity arm of the Tory party. So the current fuel shortage, as Grant Shapp said in an Eric Morcombe-esque fashion, Look, chum, there's plenty of fuel. It's just all in the wrong places. <laughs> and because of no fuel handlers, fuel hauliers after non-UK HDV drivers, heavy goods vehicle drivers, all went home because of the freedom of work being revoked after withdrawal from the EU, firms have been offering a £1,000 golden hellos to retired HGV drivers, asking them to come back to work. 5,000 temporary visas for non-UK HDV drivers to alleviate the problem of non-UK HDV drivers all going home because of freedom to work being revoked after withdrawal from the EU. Government trains the army to drive the fuel tankers to alleviate the problem of no fuel hauliers after the non-UK HDV drivers all went home because of freedom to work, blah, 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 blah. And then also... The government agreed recently to subsidise the running costs of a CO2 producing plant owned by a UK US company, CF Industries, which threatened food manufacturing processes in the UK when it closed last week. And this was due to gas prices soaring for UK users as a result of not being able to wield large collective bargaining as part of the EU trading bloc. And that's natural gas prices, not gasoline prices. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We haven't got any gas. So, yeah. There's no prices associated <laughs> with that. Uh, and also the grace period, which temporarily waives the need for post-Brexit checks on goods going into Northern Ireland so they don't cross the border unchecked into Ireland, which is still in the EU, and which also clashes directly with the Northern Ireland Peace Accord, which states there'd be no hard border between Northern Ireland and Ireland. And that grace period has been extended indefinitely. We've sunk a lot into this already, but that doesn't mean we can't cut our losses now. And Chris Giles in the Financial Times on September the 14th suggests that this loss cutting might already be happening. And he notes that during Brexit negotiations, the Prime Minister predicted that the EU would not impose frictions at the borders because German car makers and Italian Prosecco producers would insist on the UK having full access to the EU single market. But given the unequal trading power between the two sides, long after the EU imposed the controls on UK exports, it's London that's hanging back on imposing equivalent measures at the border. This government fears the public response if the imports people love are made more costly and difficult to buy. London first pushed back the imposition of border checks six months ago and has now delayed implementation of full border controls again until summer 2022. It seems that the best way to improve lives in the UK, according to the government, is not to take back control. And he notes Brexit is now largely a sunk cost. 
It has given its proponents in London the, leaves, the levers of power that they sought. But with the power comes responsibility and you cannot keep making lives worse with a purist notion of Brexit without people noticing. Johnson and the EU are fully entitled to shout about the minor benefits that benefit Brexit brings both sides. We don't know what they are. But they would be wise to quietly continue with damage limitation on the big stuff. So it, the, they're kind of going, right, it's... We, it's so awful. We've got to continue to throw things at it to make it not as to make it not as awful as people said it would be. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, know, now that we've done all of the stuff we've done, yeah, there's there's a lot more that we need to do to make it look like how it's, it's kind of well, as good not as even we how said we said it would be. Would be. It's not even yeah, anywhere no, near. Just no. just almost as good as it was before we started. <laughs> yeah yeah yes exactly. Um, but yeah i definitely remember um certainly during the kind of the, the whole once article 50 had been um activated yeah. essentially there was a lot of period there where people were saying well you know this is clearly shit it's obviously the wrong thing to do but but lots of people were going well you know there's we, we've we've done the Thing yeah, yeah. Now with we Article 50, the alarm now. we can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, we can't go back on it now. We've yeah. come this far. Essentially, we have to keep going and yeah. see it through. Even though at the time they had no plan whatsoever. No, I mean, as I'm saying that, as if they have a plan now, now. for for Northern <laughs> Ireland or yeah. anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. They no. haven't actually come up with a plan. They've just the, kind the of the plan is to avoid coming up with a plan. Yeah, yeah, the plan is to keep those temporary things in place indefinitely. Yeah. So that's... But even though at that point they had they they had no plan for Northern Ireland, they had they had several things that just hadn't been thought about at all. Yeah. They were like, well, yeah, we just have to keep going. We just you know, yeah, we've got momentum on. now. Can't stop now. So yes, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. It. Yeah, and it and in a way, it's an abdication of responsibility, isn't it? Because you can point to the well, the people yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can once, point... once the vote once they voted 52 yep. to 48 yeah. there was nothing more that anyone could the, do about it that could be done apart from the fact it was yeah. only a it was only a, a consult, consultative result they needn't yeah. you know but, um, people people vote politicians decide <laughs> as they you know until it comes to such a point where they can't decide and so they go to the people and let them decide, even though we've elected you, David Cameron, looking at you, to decide on our behalf. And yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. yes, that whole, it's kind of like the ball being released in Indiana Jones, isn't it? <laughs> and they go, and they just have to run. You can't just go, no, wait, what? Stop, just stop. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. Well, we can't because the thing's going to crush us. Yeah, no, it's not. Take some responsibility and and look at it square in the face and go, "Fuck, shouldn't have done that." Let's go <laughs> back. Let's yeah. go back. Yeah. If your logic's a blunt tool, or you're thinking like a fool, carry on. Cut your losses. Just got to be sure and decide not to carry on in the wild. It's a fallacy in the wild. It's a fallacy in the wild. Oh. 
fun there with their 2012 hit, that spiritually uplifting song, Carry On. Even if everything is falling apart around, just carry on, just carry on. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> so in the Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the Fallacy of the Week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week comes from the new BBC comedy by Greg Davis called The Cleaner. Yep. which is about a crime scene cleaner. And in this first episode, he is uh, confronted by the, the, the widow of the murder victim, who also happens to have been the murderer. She killed yeah. her husband. Stabbing him 38 times. And <laughs> yeah. Just showboating. And... Five would have been enough. Yeah. <laughs> and he uh, is kind of held hostage and gets talking to her about why she didn't leave her boring, boring husband uh, and, and why she ultimately killed him instead. You married a nerd. Why did you stay with a nerd? Sunk cost fallacy, I told you. If you invest a lifetime into something, pulling out means that lifetime meant nothing. Fine. Why did you have to stab him? Because I loved him. Okay. Okay, you're an absolute nut job. <laughs> so, Brilliant. So, yeah, she uh, she explains it in terms of the sunk cost fallacy. When you've yep. invested a lifetime into something, it becomes incredibly difficult to, yeah, to yeah, walk to, away. To admit and, that that was a wasted say, lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. And and to be honest, this is something which results in a lot of people staying in bad relationships. Yeah. Not necessarily murdering their their partners, but not in most cases, <laughs> not at in least. Most cases, yeah. The ones yeah, you get to hear about, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is one of those things where it's very common and very easy to to feel that um, you've spent this this amount of time mm. investing yourself, your your whole emotional self into this relationship. Yeah. Um, if you just say, "Well, it didn't it didn't work out," the fact that you have spent so long doing it means that now your choice is to continue doing the thing which is bad for you yeah, yeah. <laughs> or walk away and hopefully find something better. One of the common arguments about sunk cost fallacy in terms of kind of behavioural economics is the idea of um, paying for uh, a ticket to the opera. Yeah. And you pay $100 for a ticket to the opera and then uh, as the kind of day of the opera approaches, you think, oh, I just, I don't I really fancy it. Yeah. But I've spent the money. Yeah, yeah. So do you... Yeah go to do the thing you don't really want to do so that you're not wasting your hundred dollars or do you instead spend the evening doing something you'd much rather be doing yeah and and accept the wasted hundred dollars the hundred dollars is is gone you can't get that back no matter what you do yeah so and and the truth is that in many cases people will choose to do the thing that they really don't particularly want to do because they'll feel guilty opera survives yeah absolutely Um, yeah whereas whereas if you look at it as you kind of you find an opera ticket on the street yeah then the the pull to actually end up going to the opera because you've got a free ticket is way lower because you're not missing out on anything you i mean you're not missing out on anything either way because you've already spent that hundred dollars but with the found ticket it's like well yeah i haven't spent anything on this if i don't go i'm no worse off than i was before exactly yeah yeah actually it's, it's kind of there's there was uh, when I used to work for um, the BBC, there were several projects that were talked about in terms of 
digitizing various things. The same with the NHS as well, the National Health Service. There were these huge projects that were supposed to digitize things and then they just got abandoned because it wasn't working. And I see that it's because of the sunk cost fallacy. I now see those in a different light because at the <laughs> time everyone was going, well, that was a waste of bloody time and money. What a stupid thing that was. But actually they just, they just stopped because it was pointless carrying on and throwing more money at this because it's just not going to work. So let's abandon it and use something else or let's abandon it and not do it at all. Let's just keep doing it how we've always done it. Um, you know that's which is what should have happened with the track and trace system. The you know eighty seven billion pounds that we spent on a Excel ninety five spreadsheet, they should have just gone. Well, no, it's not going to work. Let's just ask WhatsApp to do it for us. I think that's the thing is when you are doing something so public, mm. then it does become a political question yeah. of is it better to have spent, you know. 17 million pounds on something which you yep. got nothing out of in the end at yeah, all yeah. because you because you realized it wasn't going to work and you you stopped spending money on it yep. which ultimately is the better decision yeah yeah, yeah. or but, it uh, looks but, terrible. but you'll be yeah. vilified absolutely and yeah. the press saying they spent 17 million got nothing out of it yeah rather than spending 35 million and getting something shit Yes, which yeah, doesn't yeah. do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, carrying on doing it, and then people will vilify you for that. They'll just go, "You spent thirty-five. You carried on, even though it was shit. You carried on and spent another yeah. sixteen thousand, sixteen million pounds on this thing that doesn't work." It's a well. We tried to give it up, but you wouldn't let us. That's, yes. Yeah. There's no real good answer to that. No. Well, there's no. There's no, no. good political answer. The, no. The. The right answer is obviously to stop spending the money when it becomes clear that it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, but you won't get away with it. No. So <laughs> our second example in this section comes uh, from Seinfeld. And uh, this uh, collection of clips from this episode actually was already edited together very kindly. Oh, brilliant. Yep. By a guy called Professor Ross, uh, who has a YouTube channel in which he uh, uses pop culture to explain various psychological phenomena, uh-huh. uh, including this one. And so uh, this is when Elaine has a card that she's collecting um, tokens to get a free sub. I'm going to Atomic Sub later. Atomic Sub? Why are you eating there? I get a card and they stamp it every time I buy a sub. 24 stamps and I become a submarine captain. What does that mean? Free sub? Oh, I can't believe it. I've lost my Atomic Sub card. You've eaten 23 bad subs. I just need one more. It's like a long, bad movie, but you want to see the end of it? No, you walk out. All right, then it's like a boring book, but you got to finish it. No, you wait for the movie. I have spent a lot of time, and I have eaten a lot of crap to get to where I am today. And I am not throwing it all away now. Is there a captain's hat involved in this? Maybe. Yep, yep. We've all done that. We've all patronised really bad coffee shops because uh-huh. we kind of go, yeah, oh, loyalty card, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it is like the old Catskills joke of the the food here is terrible. Yeah, and such small portions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice. So continuing to to eat crappy subs because eventually you'll get a free one. Yes, yeah. is, is quite a good example it of is. this. Yeah. And I like their um, their their thing about if you've never walked out of a movie and you go, no, it's too expensive. And it's so many times we've gone, why didn't we just walk out? Uh-huh. Well, because it costs us twelve quid, or yeah. you know, or uh, and the one about 
giving up on the book and waiting for the movie. I did that with Time Traveller's Wife because <laughs> it was such a difficult book Pretty to, good film. to get into. Great uh, film. Yeah, great yeah. film. So, <laughs> yes, did a good job of it. I'm glad I waited. <laughs> Just kind of like, so I kept about four or five goes <laughs> at trying to start that. Could not get into it. Wait, I don't we... think I've ever walked out of a, of a movie in no. a cinema. I've I've stopped watching movies that I rented, right? So I I you know I paid money for them and then yeah. and then they were just completely shit, yeah. And, and stopped watching them. But I don't think I've ever actually walked out of a cinema. And is that because of the cost? I don't know. Or is it? I think, I think yeah. it's partly just because I enjoy the cinema experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if the film isn't good, it's just, yeah. kind of, just there's like something about it. In the dark. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I actually I hold you to blame for for watching for me sitting through some shit movies but just because <laughs> yeah, because, because you kind of go oh actually i was just i was just I'm quite interested in how it's made and what was the one there was a recent one oh my god it was awful it was a kind of they went into a ghost train and they ended up in an alternate universe and it was a kind of a pastiche of a 50s tv show or something like that absolutely stank um, and it was on Netflix. It didn't cost me anything, but that was all right. So, but I did sit through the entire thing. <laughs> I don't think you can blame me for that. <laughs> well, I can blame you for the you've you've, in, you've inculcated me into that. You just got it. Look, there's something to be gained from watching anything, and also I think I do, from I do feel that. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Years of <laughs> teaching people film, where you sit through their films, and you've got to find something good in it to say about it (laughs) (laughs) or so or notice something that you can say oh yeah but that that was good and you could apply that to there you know rather than just go oh my god turn it off yeah the unfortunate bit is when they've they've kind of made it and also acted in it and and the best thing you can say is like well the the lighting was good lighting was good (laughs) nice location i know i've done i've done exactly that yes 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 so many Uh times Awful at cinemas yeah. and everything, you know. And then they've rented the cinema and screened the bloody thing. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Fortunately, the things I make are excellent, so nobody has oh. any problem with no, no. sitting through it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So our our final example in this section is from an episode of Star Trek: Next Generation. Uh, this Yay. is one a kind of data centric episode, really. Yeah. Where data befriends over kind of radio transmission. A, a small alien girl on a planet which is kind of about to be destroyed by its own tectonic plate activity. Right. Right and he wants to help her. Um, but the Prime Directive says you can't interfere with I'll this kind of thing. Yep. Yep. But he convinces Picard to let him send a message to the girl to kind of let her know a safe place to go, basically, so that she might survive the, the uh, tectonic activity. Captain, permission to beam down to Drama 4. I've been unable to contact Sarshenka. Data, I appreciate your concern. Transporting to the surface is only going to make a bad situation worse. Sir, I feel it is important to determine the reason for... Come on, Data. Captain, your orders were to deliver the message, correct? Yes. Then what is the difference between sending the message and delivering it personally? A whopping big one, and you know it. Sir, we have come this far. In for a penny, in for a pound, is that what you're saying, Mr. Data? Yes, sir. Oh, well. 
Go. So essentially Data's argument is we've already broken the Prime Directive a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all I want to do, instead of sending a message because I can't get through to her, is go down there and kind of personally deliver the message. That yeah. it's, you know, it's not really much different. And we've already come, uh, you know, we've already... Oh. Yeah, yeah, we've already come this far. We've gone over the the line of we, what we're allowed got, to yeah, do a bit. We've crossed the Rubicon. <laughs> we might as well, yeah, you know, no, well, yeah. If, and and that's yes, in for a penny, in for a pound uh-huh. is kind of the the an, it's, another it's, version that's of that's isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I've come this a, far. I might as well just go all the way. <laughs> yeah. There was another one I found from uh, Better Call Saul where he's talking about um, not studying for the bar after all. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend at the time says, oh, yeah, but you all that work you did and everything, you know, of course it's got to be worth it. You've got to just keep going. And he goes, no, that's just a sunk cost fallacy. I think, in fact, that episode might be called sunk cost. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because it's because that's and he says that's what gamblers do. They go, well, I put all this money into it something w- will come up. So, you know, it, yeah, in for a penny, in for a pound. We might as well put the whole other 99 pence in because yeah. we've already put a penny in. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. You see, I'm so near being halfway there, 50% right, that I've, and I've, I've, put, I've spent all this effort over 83 episodes. I might as well just play one more. One, <laughs> one more game. What arm can he do? Yeah, <laughs> do yeah. And and it could get you the 50%. This is the one where if you get this one right, you're on 50%. So yeah, yeah. No pressure. No. This is, the, of course, this is where <laughs> it all goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this week we're going all the way back to 2017. Oh wow! When Trump yeah. spoke at a Boy Scout jamboree, right, uh, in front of somewhere around thirty to forty thousand uh, kind of teenage boys. Yeah. Immediately he got there. He said, "You know, I'm gonna, not going to talk to you about politics. Who, who the hell wants to talk politics in front of Boy Scouts?" And then spent the next hour mostly talking, talking about, about politics. politics. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Number one, statement number one, he's talking about a, an old uh, property developer he knew. Mm-hmm. He says, sold his company for a tremendous amount of money and he went out and bought a big yacht and he had a very interesting life. I won't go on any more than that because you're Boy Scouts, so I'm not going to tell you what he did. Should I tell you? Should I tell you? You're Boy Scouts, but you know life. You know life. <laughs> his He's at the same time quite protective of them and also kind of world weary that they know much more life than he ever, ever has. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Statement number two, harking back to his, his election win the previous year. It was a beautiful night, November 8th. The fake news media said it was impossible, but we made it happen. And truthfully, it was the forgotten people that made it happen. Everyone forgot about them except me. And now I like to call them the people who aren't forgotten, the remembered people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. And yep. and finally, uh, a bit of life advice. Mm-hmm. He said, um, in life, I always tell this to people, you have to know whether or not you continue to have the momentum. And if you don't have it, that's okay, because you're going to go on and you're going to learn and you're going to do things that are great. But you have to know about the word momentum. 
Okay. Okay. You t- yep. You see, there it is. You just got to carry on. Yep. Whatever. Just sink your costs into it. And just keep going. Okay. So the yeah, the one about the it's forgotten people that made it happen. Everyone forgot them except me. It's another one of his um, kind of snappy George Burns kind of gags. That uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Continue to have the momentum. Well, I, I, I think because it's such a perfect joke. This could be. I think that number two is the one that you made up. Okay, mm-hmm. and of the other two, which are you more convinced by? I think number one because of the the kind of taunting. Shall I tell you, your Boy Scouts, you know, like that one. I think that one. It's okay. probably real. <laughs> How convinced I am. <laughs> probably real. Yeah. And number yeah. one yeah. is yeah. real. Oh, my God. I sold his company for a tremendous amount of money. And he went out and bought a big yacht. And he had a very interesting life. I won't go any more than that because you're Boy Scouts, so I'm not going to tell you what he did. <laughs> Should I tell you? Should I tell you? Oh, you're Boy Scouts, but you know life. You know life. (laughs) It's a cross between Homer Simpson and Liza Minnelli, isn't it? It's that kind of, I won't go any more than that because you're Boy Scouts. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Basically, he starts an anecdote about a sex yacht. And yeah. then realizes he's talking to who he's to, talking to, <laughs> yeah. to Boy Scouts. And he goes, Oh, I don't go anymore. <laughs> Your Boy Scouts, I'm not going to Well, should I? Should I? Yeah, but it, mm, it's that's his kind of whole shtick, isn't it? He intimates that he knows a lot more than you do and a lot more that he's going to tell you. And then he tantalizingly tells you some bits. That he's just hastily made up, <laughs> and uh, and you and but nobody you you never get the full story out of him, and yet you and that the people that are listening to him believe that they he's told them everything they need to know about yeah. draining the swamp and you know doing all the marvelous things that he's never actually said he was doing. So it's a combination of of um, deny you know plausible deniability and just complete ignorant storytelling <laughs> that he's doing. Oh dear! So yeah. you also think yeah. that number three is real? Yeah, yeah, not so sure now, but yeah. And yeah. number three, yeah, is real. Oh, what? In life, I always tell this to people: you have to know whether or not you continue to have the momentum. And if you don't have it, that's okay, because you're going to go on, and you're going to learn, and you're going to do things that are great. But you have to know about the word momentum. <laughs> What? So no, whether or not you you have to know whether or not you continue to have momentum. So what you've got to, in life, you've got yeah, to having know, the momentum is not so important. Because if you don't have it, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. But you have to know no. whether you have it. And you, you have to know whether you, <laughs> you have to know the know word. With the word. Fundamentally, that's it. Yeah, and momentum is you. an important word. Is basically what that boils down. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> it was uh, weird. These two actually were from a kind of five-minute off-the-cuff bit that he did about yeah. a, uh, an old property developer called uh, William Levitt. Right. The point was that 
um, he made a huge amount of money in property developing, and then he bought this big yacht, went off and had sex for 20 years. <laughs> and and then when he came back to, to try and do property developing again, he yeah. he lost all of his money and like right. died pen, penniless or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And and supposedly Trump met him at a cocktail party in New York. Right. He tells this story to the scouts. Right. And he knew who he was. He says Trump claims he was young at this point, a young man and 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 he was kind of invited to the cocktail party and saw this old kind of fallen down old man in the corner and and recognized yeah. that it was this huge property developer and went over to speak to him. Yeah. And and asked him what had happened and why he was in trouble and the guy said i i lost my momentum right so first of all the way he then ends by saying if you don't have momentum that's fine yeah, it's yeah. not the point of the story, the story he that he told. got told yeah <laughs> momentum. It's a way, it's got, well you lost me with the word momentum that's i'm, I'm lost you lost me then yeah that's yeah i lost my momentum <laughs> he's, got, he's trying to explain that <laughs> When not understanding it himself, he's just nodding at the old guy, going, "Yeah, oh, okay, right. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. uh-huh." But also, he's made up at least some aspects of this story. Yeah, because in one of his books, uh, "How to Get Rich," he he also told this kind of story. In this version, he says he was young and he recognised this this old man and like went up to speak to him and kind of yeah. introduced himself. In How to Get Rich, he was 47 when he met the guy right. uh, at the cocktail party. They already kind of had an existing relationship. They already knew each other. And he said it was a couple of weeks before he died. Right. William Levitt was in a hospital for 18 months before he died. <laughs> so he so, can't have been a cocktail So it party. definitely was Unless, he, unless he got his momentum back for that one night only. Yeah. <laughs> and also, him, him coming back from, from the sex yacht thing uh, was in the 90s. So right. there's no way right. Trump could have been a young man at that point. He was at no. least in his late 40s when when this possibly could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. So none of it makes any no. sense. None of it is plausible. He and, probably and then, made the entire thing he, up. <laughs> I doubt he ever met the guy. And even if he's wrapping the whole parable, it, you know, you'd be, you'd be forgiven for dressing it up with, you know, yeah. I met this guy. He had he was a wonderful life and and i asked him what his secret was and then not to understand (laughs) yeah what the secret is sufficient to pass it on the point is that the ghost writer who wrote how to get rich put this story in it right trump half remembered the story and didn't understand the point (laughs) and then retold it half retold it and then kind of it's fine you don't need momentum but you just gotta know this word momentum i don't but you could yeah and and that all the yeah. all the scouts are going. Well, it's not momentum at all. What's he fucking talking about? <laughs> yeah, momentum for oh. continued direction. You know, once you've got your mojo, and you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and if you lose that, then yeah, oh yeah, I know. But that's not what he said. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So but, hopefully they rubbed him together and set fire to him. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but you have got some momentum going because hey! you oh, are now right. on fifty percent, seventy four. And yep. you have got 37, 37 of them correct. Look at that. So I clawed my way up. Yeah. yeah. And you now that you've kind of, you're rolling down a hill, you've, yeah. you've just got to keep going. Just got to keep going. Just got to yeah. get going. No, that's it. No yeah, stop. now that you've come this far down the hill. No stopping me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it would be crazy to turn back now. <laughs> yeah.
Yes, it's time for the part of the show that this week at least is called The Arizona Audit is Still Not a Logical Fallacy. Uh, we've talked about the Arizona Audit a couple of times now, but it's yeah. kind of finished, at least well, for now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I note the, uh, the, uh, the tone of the, uh, slightly not yeah. quite sure there, but yeah, but this, but this is the... The, uh, of all the audits, this is the yeah, one yeah. that was designed to overthrow the whole thing because it was Very done by so, yeah. done by Some the people cyber that were on, <laughs> exactly, yeah, who are all going, yeah, they are, who are all saying it's a complete fake. We're going in, <laughs> no electoral um, experience whatsoever, but we'll yeah. go in and we'll do it, and they did it. Yeah, so these people were essentially hired by the Arizona Republican Party. Um, and funded by people like Mike Flynn and Sidney Powell. Yeah. And and they were run by a guy called Doug Logan, who's from Florida, who runs Cyber Ninjas. Yeah, as Mark said, had absolutely no electri- election experience nope. and was a uh, kind of stop-the-steal conspiracy theorist. And yet, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the recount they that they did... Yeah re-elected joe biden <laughs> yeah <laughs> essentially yep. with with a higher margin than before exactly yeah yeah like, and <laughs> they, uh... and not only that but a lot uh, many more fewer many more fewer many fewer <laughs> votes for trump like, yeah it was nine, 99 additional votes found for biden and 261 fewer votes for trump brilliant. on based on their count so they just they just um... increased the gap <laughs> Fantastic. For only about three million dollars. Might as well keep going. You've invested that much. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I had to say I was a little bit surprised that yeah um, that they admitted that in the, yeah yeah and yeah and that they didn't just keep counting until they got a result where Trump at least got a few extra. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. But no, they they included that in the uh, report that was kind of leaked. Right. I guess to um, initially a, a Phoenix public radio, yeah. and about an hour after the results were leaked, saying that um, Biden had won again by yeah. more votes, yeah. Trump put out a tweet saying, or not a tweet because he can't tweet, but yeah. a statement saying we're awaiting the Arizona audit results. For, you know, very trustworthy, very right. uh, um, well. I'm right behind. Uh, I'm looking well, forward to yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah it'll yeah. it'll show yeah. what we've been saying. It's going to show because yeah. he hadn't been given the memo that this had right. come out. I mean, obviously they didn't leave it at yes. We've checked and Biden totally won. Yeah. They've still gone with all of the, but there's lots of things that we're not sure about. No evidence for any of them, obviously. No, no. And you kind of think of, of if you're sent in there by a system designed by the Republicans, designed to make them win, and they still can't find it, then yeah. the, you need to kind of question the things that they think they have found. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we found all these. Uh, no, well, we don't believe a word of that. What You can just get a... <laughs> You're going to go look at those and find something else that makes it um, even more of an overwhelming victory by Biden or what? You know, yes. The other things that they did were looking generally at things that they thought were a bit weird. And the reason Mm -hmm. they thought them thought were a bit weird were almost always because they don't understand how elections work. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was things like the thousands of of mail-in ballots that hadn't been sent out. Yeah. And and that is has been explained away multiple times by people saying, well, yeah, but that includes 
in-person early voting. Yeah. So those were, you know, they may have applied for mail-in ballots even, but they voted in person. Yeah. Um, so and before the date, so so yeah, we wouldn't have, we didn't need to send them out. Yeah. So if we had, like and you would accuse us of doing double voting. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's there's the fact that they focused on voters who had identical names and birth dates, not recognising that there are people who have identical yeah. names and birth yeah. dates. In fact, yeah. uh, according to Maricopa County officials, in Maricopa County alone, there are seven voters named Maria Garcia who were born in the same year. When you count how how many people there are in the world and how many days there are in a year. Yeah. But yeah, they, they're not allowing for that factor of especially common names. Um, and they're assuming that that means that it, that there's something dodgy going on. Yeah. They've done lots of things where they, they claimed that people had voted twice uh, or voted in two places and it showed uh, ultimately that they were different people. And the thing right. is they didn't, they, they looked at these things and said, well, that looks odd and added it to a list of things that looks odd without right. actually then looking into it oh, right. and saying, can we explain this? Right. In a... they, just, they just stacked them up in a kind of, yeah, yeah in that, in the, in, yeah, like other lawyers we know, <laughs> acquaintance, <laughs> yeah. you know, that just go, yeah, but look how many there are. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. the thing. If you think you've discovered something, and you don't want to look like a dick. You should you should check to see if the thing you've discovered is real or not. Yeah, rather than just count it. You go, <laughs> well, there's a thing, and you go, well, that could be because you don't. Have you ever done one of these before? No. <laughs> well, that could be that. Then do you not think? Yeah. Maybe we could ask someone, like who, have someone on our team who knows a little bit, bit about, about this horse. Yes. Who's done it once? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or who? Let's go find somebody who might have the answer and ask them the question. And if they say, oh, yeah, no, that is odd. You're quite right. Then yeah. we've got, you know, some sort of corroboration of our odd feeling. Or they might just say, well, no, but because there are seven people called Maria <laughs> Garcia who were born in that year. It, that's just yeah. what happens. It was a popular name that year. But that's part of the problem where you are looking to to support your argument rather than looking to find out mm. what the truth is mm-hmm. when you start where you you are begging the question and you have you have decided what your conclusion is and then you're looking for evidence to back it up yeah and that is that ultimately is what happened here and still, <laughs> still. they haven't they haven't been able to provide anything that is in any way convincing not least <laughs> the fact that they just get the raw votes they just came yeah. to the raw let's because all the votes are wrong, let's just recount them and then go. Oh, uh, okay, it's wrong. They were wrong, but the wrong kind of wrong. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. stands to reason, which which is a fallacy in itself. <laughs> I mean, they've spent months and millions of dollars on this. Hmm. If you're looking at this stuff and you're matching up paper ballots with electronic ballots, and you are finding people's names that you think are are wrong or duplicates or whatever you would you would make a list of the specifics you wouldn't just yeah. have the numbers and say yeah, yeah. well we found 760 people who did this you'd 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 look at those people and you would investigate you know where do they live are they the same people yeah because if you were being intellectually honest about it and you genuinely believe that this is happening investigating it is only going to give you better evidence isn't it mm. if you if you have six people who you genuinely think have died and there are also people who were removed from the voter rolls in subsequent months 
Yeah. Uh, which again is what happens when people either die or move house. Yeah. Um. So you would, I I would think you would make a list of the people and the details of those individual yeah. cases and look and into them. Go and see look into each, if the each people, and every one of yeah, them. Yeah. If the people who who were on who like take an example of someone who voted and then was later removed from the electoral roll. Look into that happened. case, see yeah. if they died, see if they moved, or see if they never existed in the first place. Yeah. And then you've got some evidence. Mm. But if you're not interested in providing evidence, you just want to provide crumbs so yeah. that you can say, yes, this looks very suspicious. Yeah. Then that's what you'll do. Or you're saying it so you can say, well, this needs more looking into. Yeah, yeah. So needs, we need needs to more work money. for another yeah, yeah. six months. We need more money. At which point... They're in the sweet spot between somebody else's conspiracy theory and they're in the room that could provide all the evidence. So we yeah. could look into that. We ought to look into this. I don't think they're doing that, though. <clears throat> right. They're just being um, stupid. <laughs> I, I think they're just saying all of the... I mean, basically everything that they've said that is still kind of, in their eyes, a bit suspicious Yeah, is pretty much stuff they had at the very, very beginning of the process. Right. When when they started looking into it and they were saying, you know, there's this number of people who who were, you know, absentee ballots or whatever. Um that that is information they had at the beginning. They haven't learned new information about that stuff. Right. They haven't added more evidence or or proved anything at all. Or um, or or cross that off their list of things to believe in because they yeah. found evidence of the contrary because they didn't look for any. Yeah. But um and even they apparently have a line that they're not prepared to cross in oh, terms right. of just making stuff up. Because right. Right. it started going around fairly soon after this. The initial results came out where Biden won by more. That people were saying, oh, there was a, an earlier draft of this where the uh, CEO of Cyber Ninjas was calling to decertify, decertify the election based on the results of the findings in Maricopa County. Um, and so wow. they were saying, you know, it's being covered up. This is the draft. It was nice. changed for the last. Yeah, version. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, Doug Logan, put out a statement saying, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that isn't what happened. That, that, <laughs> that thing that is being said is not a report that I ever wrote, nor was it ever part of our drafts reviewed with the Senate. Wow. No copy of the executive summary written by me ever directly stated that the election should not be certified or should be decertified. So. He even is not prepared to just wow. go along with the the random uh, claims of of maggers who are people, people prepared like to say him. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, what's happening is he's slowly moving to the to the light <laughs> side, isn't he? I mean, he's, kind he's of getting the, kind it, of work frustration yeah. felt by other electoral scrutineers. It kind he's of beginning seems to be maybe like, like he has spent six months doing this yeah and and thought get a bit you know actually maybe it was it. Yeah. a valid election or, it, or and now he's least, not prepared to push it or or at the very least that people he's just getting pe pissed off with people making assumptions about what he's up to which is exactly what he was doing before he started yeah. working on this but you know so he, he's done all this Fairly comprehensive work, not, not in every aspect. Yeah, yeah comprehensive. They counted all the votes again. You know, they've been doing nothing but this for six months in the same room with well, the same bits of not, paper. Not nothing but this in the same room because for several months, right. or let's say weeks at a time, they mm -hmm. couldn't use the room. Oh, okay. 
because it was booked out for other things because <laughs> when they initially booked it yeah it was for like six weeks or something yeah this was about eight months ago and um and they couldn't get anything done in the time that they said they were going to do it in and then they had to give up the room because there was a gun show and a talent show <laughs> and other stuff in this in this room Brilliant. um and so they had to lock up the ballots and and you know yeah they, they so they had to keep stopping and starting yeah uh, so that's which led that's to gonna piss you all off, kinds of questions about um you know chain of custody and yeah, and yeah, yeah. things like that it, in the process, they they fucked up the Maricopa County voting machines, which now have to be replaced. Oh uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Which is going to cost another three million dollars. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, they basically went through all of this, and the the clearest bit of evidence they could come up with was that Biden won again. Yeah, by a larger margin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yay, yay, Serbian inches. <laughs> Brilliant. Just keep at it, guys. <laughs> And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Former Trump lawyer, hair dye enthusiast and Queen Elizabeth impressionist Rudy Giuliani has finally crossed the line that even Fox News can't ignore. No, it wasn't drunkenly insisting he's never partied with Prince Andrew except that one time. It was getting Fox News in legal trouble. Since Dominion sued Fox for $1.6 billion, Giuliani has been banned from the network. According to Politico, Fox and Friends co-host Pete Hegseth called Rudy the night before their 9-11 special to let him know that he'd been cut from the show. Giuliani's former police commissioner, Bernie Kerrick, said it was another demonstration of Fox's cowering to the far left. You know, like when Tucker Carlson takes the knee and spouts those pro-choice talking points he's so well known for. <laughs> Lovely, inclusive, sunny Florida. I say that because they've been welcoming more COVID cases in August than at any time before vaccines became available. And their happy-go-lucky lunatic Senator Ron DeSantis has appointed a new Surgeon General, Joseph Ladapo. And as Slate.com reported not unexpectedly, he's the kind of doctor that was last seen on the national stage participating in a COVID miracle cure event with another doctor that believes that lizard people control the government and that demons cause gynaecological problems by implanting stolen sperm, as well as a third doctor who later got arrested for being part of the mob that smashed into the US Capitol in an effort to overturn the presidential election. Yep, so all about normal for DeSantis's land of the mad... As a qualified and rigorous scientist, Ladapo criticises lockdown policies as ineffective. So there's some evidence that cloth masks do not prevent the spread of COVID, suggests that hydroxychloroquine is being suppressed for salacious reasons, and that there is nothing special about vaccines compared to any other preventative measure. OK, what qualifies him really, apart from all the crazy shit? Well... He's genuinely worked at the Ronald Reagan Medical Center in Los Angeles and is affiliated with UCLA's David Geffen School of Medicine. That's Dr. Florida man to you. And upstairs medical college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tucker Carlson's latest leftist screed claimed that vaccine mandates for the military are just a plot to identify the sincere Christians in the ranks, the free thinkers, the men with high testosterone levels and anyone else who doesn't love Joe Biden and make them leave immediately. Well, if that was the case, those groups didn't represent very many people, as the DOD just announced that at least 95% of the military have had at least one Covid shot. 
Not totally surprising, since it's just one of 18 mandatory vaccinations military personnel have to have in order to serve, depending on where they're posted. It turns out that as well as being actually quite popular, Biden's vaccine mandates are pretty fucking effective. United Airlines have said that 98.5% of their workforce are now vaccinated, as are over 90% of full-time Fox News employees. Uh Maple Rush Elementary School in Newburgh, Oregon has a problem. Sure, there's room to have individuals protest about the implementation of mandatory vaccinations for teaching staff, presumably despite this being to protect the kids and ensure fewer cases and therefore fewer class or school shutdowns and more in-person teaching. But protesting whilst in blackface? Really? Lauren Perferl, a special education assistant, dyed her face with iodine, apparently because she was portraying Rosa Parks as part of her protest. Whilst the school district put her on administrative leave immediately, this is the same district whose board has expressed concerns that the temporary banning in Oregon schools of the display of hate symbols, including the Confederate flag, the noose and the swastika in school programmes and school-sponsored activities, as part of a rule created as part of a commitment to building an environment free from discrimination or harassment, was brought in a bit hastily. The board's vice chair, Brian Shannon, said it had emerged at a very tumultuous time during the Black Lives Matter protests and has insisted that since things have calmed down, he's been in talks with people from the community who share a view that the policy had some language that concerned a lot of people. Almost inevitably, the ruling has been extended to include removal of pride and BLM flags and logos. And they still wonder why someone can think it's okay to turn up to work in a school in blackface. Yet another tell-all book came out this week by a Trump insider immediately dismissed by the Trumps as a disgruntled former employee with mental health issues, which I think is a tautology as there's no way a human could work for Trump without ending up with mental health issues and severe disgruntlement. Many of them start that way. Anyway... This one is Stephanie Grisham, the former press secretary who never held a single press conference and yet has rather audaciously titled her book I'll Take Your Questions Now, which is kind of like if Trump called his next book Thanks for All the Nobel Prizes. Among the revelations contained within are the entirely unsurprising news that Trump called Grisham from Air Force One to reassure her that his penis does not look like Toad from Mario Kart, the entirely predictable claim that Putin distracted Trump with an attractive woman during their summits, and the somewhat more surprising fact that a White House aide known as the Music Man would regularly play show tunes for Trump to bring him back from the brink of rage, like Fay Ray stroking King Kong's cheek to calm him down, but if the stakes were a bit higher because King Kong had a nuclear button. <laughs> show tunes. Brilliant. It apparently tickly <laughs> uh, memories from cats was, was a favourite. Brilliant. Yeah. Just don't show him the, the movie version. No, that no. would send anyone. That would send anyone. <laughs> yeah. mental health disgruntlement. Yeah. Michael Flynn, as we all know, is not known to be a medical doctor nor a public health expert, but a rather short-lived, about 20 days worth, US National Security Advisor for the Trump administration. So not really an expert in that either. However, this, as we all know, doesn't stop people like your Nicki Minaj, for instance, pontificating on vaccines and or testicles and or just talking bollocks. Anyway, Flynn appeared on a video panel. Yeah, admittedly one that peddles conspiracy theories about COVID and vaccines and bollocks like that. And said very specifically and with huge evidence to draw upon. Somebody sent me a thing this morning where they are talking about putting the vaccine into salad dressing or salads. 
So basically Flynn was sharing his thing or someone else's thing about them with whoever had to be watching the video panel, which in the old days, you know, before Twitter woke up, used to be called spreading unfettered misinformation. Dan Evans, writing for Snopes, tried to get to the bottom of Flynn's thing and suggested a September 16th article by Jules Bernstein for the University of California, Riverside, UCR News. The future of vaccines may look more like eating a salad than getting a shot in the arm. UC Riverside scientists are studying whether they can turn edible plants like lettuce into mRNA vaccine factories, attempting to use plant cells to produce enough mRNA to serve as an mRNA vaccine. Whilst this is a far cry from working, it's a further cry from putting vaccine in your salad dressing. Just when you thought misinformation, like Trump, was a thing of the past, it shows you just how hungry people are for stuff that agrees with them. Unlike salad, ironically. Yeah, I I can't help feeling if we did want to trick Trump supporters into eating the vaccine, salad would not be the (laughs) way to go. No. So that's, yeah, even the the bit of salad, the so called salad that you get on top of your burger, there's no way that they throws away that salad. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. You'd, yeah. You'd put it pump, in barbecue sauce. It, I think you might get. Something you might there. get away with it. You'll just <laughs> shove it straight into the meat of the you know the, the ultra processed uh-huh. meat shaped thing into a burger. Yeah. Then then you'll get it. Shove it and into salad. You know. Yeah. It's not a good plan. No. <laughs> Trump has sued his niece, Mary Trump, for $100 million because she gave the New York Times all the evidence they needed to show that Trump and his family committed lots of tax fraud surrounding the Donald's inheritance from his father's estate. Trump accuses Mary of breaching an NDA-type settlement agreement, which we can only assume said something like, we'll give you some of the money if you keep quiet about all the crimes. We have to assume that because the agreement he claims she breached wasn't included in his court filing. Also not to be found anywhere in his 27-page complaint was any refutation of any of the allegations made by the New York Times or even a single claim that they weren't true, which is interesting. Three New York Times reporters are also named in the suit, accused of relentlessly seeking out Mary Trump as a source of information and convincing her to smuggle documents out of her attorney's office. One of the named reporters, Suzanne Craig, responded on Twitter, I knocked on Mary Trump's door, she opened it. I think they call that journalism. (laughs) Relentlessly seeking out. (laughs) This week in Dismal Land. We've been having a fuel shortage leading to empty gas stations, which means we can't drive to the supermarkets and their empty shelves. But it's okay because we can't afford any cooking gas to cook the food we can't get to, which isn't there anyway. But it's OK because we've all been reassured of the continued existence of doublespeak when Transport Minister Grant Shapps said it's just as well we did have Brexit because it meant that we could respond to the shortage of lorry drivers caused by Brexit that much quicker as we didn't have to wait around for the EU to agree. Uh, OK. Meanwhile, the EU are too busy laughing themselves complètement fou at what we're up to to worry about what we're up to. But it's okay because our strong and united, vigorous political opposition, the footballer Marcus Rashford, no, sorry, the Labour Party, are apparently more concerned with winning elections than unity, which I guess is a good thing, given that it was Cameron's worries about unity that got us into this mess in the first place. And to ensure that electability, Starmer has gone all out to remove anyone who isn't unified in the way he wants them to be and ousted anyone from the party who at any time might have been a bit to the left of Benito Mussolini. 
Those he hasn't ousted have very visibly resigned during the current party conference season, and those who might even vote for a lefty, i.e. the rank-and-file membership, have had their ability to take part in selecting a leader curtailed. So all's well and democratic, if a tad Blairite on the left, which is to say the right. My question still remains, Keir. Why would anyone vote Tory light when they can get the real thing? So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll see the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used the fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patron, Jill Longcoy, our straw man level patrons, Max Beaver, Kaz Tui, Steve Bickle, Schmutz, Mark Breike and Amber R. Buchanan and our top true Scotsman level patron, Lauren. Thank you so much, everyone. We really do appreciate your support. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So till next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.